So if you're worshiping with us this morning for the first time, we do go ahead and let you know that it's not this bizarre and this weird every Sunday. We do try to have fun here at West, but today is our birthday. It was six years ago that we started as a faith community, as a campus of Williamson's Chapel United Methodist Church. And so on our birthday, we decided to have some fun and we always try to kick off fall. So that's what today is about. Um, We were caught in a quandary, actually, so I'm just going to address it now, and then I'll address it a little while later in the message. Today is also the 15-year anniversary of 9-11, and that is a, a day that defined us as a nation, especially in our lifetime, and so we debated you know, do we, do we have the birthday? Do we have fun? And do we celebrate what being a faith community in today's world means and offers? Or do we focus solely on the, the tragedy and the lives that were lost and remember that? And so we concluded that we're going to do a little of both. We are going to celebrate, and hopefully you've had some fun thinking about beaches and seeing pictures of beaches, and hopefully maybe you won't leave immediately after worship and go to a beach and, and, you know, ditch your job. I've contemplated that personally. Scott and I just got back from an empty nest trip. I planned that so I would not go into the throes of depression after both children left for college. And I contemplated what if, like, I got a different job. And I were one of the bartenders and took people fruity drinks, you know, with the little umbrellas. And, and so I, I thought about just abandoning life and, and going there and having a good time. And, and wouldn't life just always be fun if I lived at the beach? But then I realized I would miss my family and my friends. I would miss you. And probably after a few days of being a bartender on a beach, I would grow tired of that. Regardless of how appealing a beach looks, at some point, perhaps maybe we're ready to go back home, ready to go inside and go about the day-to-day life. This morning, on this anniversary of 9-11, I want us to do what people did 15 years ago after 9-11 happened There was this peak in church attendance. The next weekend, uh, Gallup polls say that attendance in churches went up 6% from years before on that particular weekend. People were looking for something. That's what this whole message series is about. It's It's about finding our beach. And we are going to liken a beach to this this word called discipleship. Here at West, if you are newer to West, we call ourselves, we hope that our mission is defined as being a missional church. That one of our goals, our mission statement is to love God, serve others, And transform the world. So we try to focus on loving God and God is love. And then serving those beyond who we are. And then hopefully bringing about a change in the world. That's called discipleship. At West, a lot of times we focus on that serve part, and you're going to see an example of that following worship with the food truck. You're going to get to check that out after worship, the missional food truck we're launching this fall with Faith in St. Paul. We spend a lot of time talking about being missional, 
But for the next three to four weeks, we are going to explore what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is someone that follows Christ, follows Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. And we're going to actually put some meat around that and explore what it means. This morning, I'm just going to give us an overview. And then over the next several weeks, we'll explore each of those in depth. Because you see, just like 9-11 brought about a change in people Most of those Gallup polls go on to say that after a few weeks, church attendance went back to where it was before 9-11 happened. So this change, this, this redefining moment that had happened in our nation did not have a lasting impact in the world of religion. It probably did in many of our lives here because we recognize the evil that drove that event to happen. What is evil? You know, where good is at work in this world, we believe as followers of Christ that there is an opposing force that is at work as well. And that is the evil opposing force. And and as we wrestle with that, we get tempted by things that we end up defining as sin. And those take us into different paths and places on our journey. This morning, you will see on the screen behind me an image of a beach. As we continue to talk for the next few minutes, I want you to find your spot on the beach. I want you to ask yourself where you are in your beach journey and let the beach be a symbol for your soul. You know, that, that place within us that tells us right from wrong, that brings us peace, that place where we either feel peace or happiness or angst or anger, that's, that's our soul. And you see, following Jesus, the whole point of following Jesus is to be at one with peace and love and joy and hope and all those things that bring us solace and comfort in our soul. And there are specific ways that we can look at doing that. I want us this morning to look at a passage of scripture that if you were here a couple of weeks ago when we talked about inclusivity in the kingdom of God and racism and prejudices that exist, I read this passage, but I focused only on one part where the woman at the well, the woman from Samaria said to Jesus, you you really mean you're actually talking to me? Because she was scorned by her society and she was a Samaritan and Jesus was a Jew. And back in these days and times, Jews and Samaritans did not have anything to do with one another. This morning, we're going to look at that passage just a little more. We're going to dig a little deeper. And I want us to see what Jesus offered her that day. Because what Jesus offered her that day is the same thing that Jesus offers us. Following Jesus offers us this beautiful gift And if we'll find it and we'll claim it, I promise our lives are different. So hear these words from the gospel of John. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized them, but his disciples, his followers. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through a town called Samaria, so he came to a town called Psyche, and he came near a plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. 
It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? That's the question we have to answer today. Where do we get that that makes us want to wake up every morning and put our feet on the ground and, and conquer another day? Where do we find that? Where do we find peace in a world where it does seem like every time we turn on the news, there is not just a 9-11, there are tragedies after tragedies. That's one way, one reason I personally struggled with having a worship service totally around 9-11. What about Brussels? What about France? What about all these other things that keep happening in our world? Terrorism is so alive and well, and we as a people... As a nation, sometimes seem to be gripped by fear. And, and why not be? I mean, when we go to the Panthers games now, they, they scan everything we take in, right? We live in a culture of fear and being afraid because there are evil people that exist in this world. And those evil people, they want us to be afraid. They want us to wake up in the morning and face each day with sadness and fear. But there's more than that. There's more to the worst tragedy than we can possibly ever imagine. And that more can be found at the well with Jesus or in tying it in with our theme for this birthday series, it can be found at the beach. You know, when you go to the beach and you hear the sound of the waves, and if you're there alone, I mean, it's such a peaceful sound and a peaceful place. When Jesus encountered that woman that day in Samaria, he did not just happen, you know, to run into somebody that was out doing some grocery shopping and she happened to run by the well. The baggage that that lady brought to the well that day would mirror what we hold on to when tragedies strike our lives. She was scorned. She came in the sixth hour, as John writes, and so she's there in the sixth hour when no one else is there. Scholars say it would have been in, in the middle of the day when the heat was at its highest point. And why did she go there then? Most women, when they would go to the well, they would go first thing in the morning and they would draw their water and then return to their villages because that was when it was easiest to do that. She chose not to go then because she wanted to avoid all the other people. 
Scholars give different reports on, you know, did she have five different husbands? She and Jesus go on to have a discourse about who she's living with, who she's married with. And and we really don't know, was she a prostitute or was she just a woman who was down on her luck and she had had many, many, many different partners in her life? We honestly don't know. But what we know is she chose to go alone and that was unheard of in that custom And so she's there at the well and she's getting this water that she clearly needs, physical water. And she encounters this man and she recognizes him as a Jew. She doesn't recognize him as Jesus, the Messiah. She she notices that he is different from her. And so when he asks her for a drink, she's... Like, why would you want water from me? Do you not know you're not supposed to drink out of the same vessel that that I have? I mean, there were religious rules around that. Rules of religion that would have kept them from sharing a vessel of water. And he's like, "You, you don't understand. What I can offer you is so much more than that literal water there. And they were at Jacob's well. This is like a symbolic place in the history of the Jewish people. Jacob, one of the ancestors of the Israelites, they built a well on his land. And, and I've been there. It's, it's a sacred spot in the Holy Land. And so she challenges Jesus. And she's like, are you saying that what you've got to give me is more important than the sacred tradition of my people, of your people, that in this well... this this water that you're going to give me is better than this. And, and he says, yeah, this, this is living water. Now, what does that actually mean? I mean, let's, let's tear that apart for just a second. And let's look at the, the literal meaning of what Jesus meant when he said, I want to give you living water. I think sometimes in our understanding of religion, we have, we have dumbed down this passage and we want it to mean this magical moment of salvation. And so if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then aha, poof, there's this magic moment and then life goes on as normal. You have drank, uh, you have partaken of the living water and it is all good. That is not what happens in this passage. Jesus offers her a water that is different. And the water did not have anything necessarily to do with physical water. It was, a, it was a feeling. It was an experience. It was a transformation. That's what salvation means. That happened within her when she encountered Jesus, the one who showed God. Something changed in that moment. She, she saw this acceptance and this love that came from someone that was unexpected He knew about her life. She called him a a prophet. He knew her and he loved her anyway. And so he says, listen, all this baggage that you've been carrying around, you can let it go because this, this that I have to offer you, this living water, this is life. And this is what I would have for you. This is my gift for you. Take it. She does. In the passage of scripture, it says that she leaves her vessel there. And she goes back to the village to tell everyone about it. So something happened that day. 
What if we could have been there? What if we could have been on the sidelines and we watched this encounter of two unlikely people coming across their paths and and one thinking that the other is going to scorn them and then receiving unconditional love and unconditional grace? What if we were able to see that? Would that change us? Would it make us view life a little differently? And then would maybe we understand that that same gift that he gave her is that gift that is there for us too, that transformation, it's there for us. But we have to want to be transformed. Maybe the lady was tired of being the odd man out. Maybe she was tired of not having any friends and when she walked by, you know, people would gossip about her. Maybe she was tired to go get, of going to get water in the midday heat. Maybe she wanted something more. On 9-11, we all stopped. And I guarantee you, if you're old enough to remember that day, you knew exactly what you were doing when it happened. And then probably in the moments that happened afterwards, you remember Chances are you might even remember the rest of the day and the week. Scott and I, my, my Aunt Betsy, one, one of my dearest, closest family members, she had recently moved to England. And Andrew was in kindergarten and Lane was three and she had invited us to come see her, had helped us out with plane tickets and we were so excited. We were supposed to go two weeks after 9-11. The first thing on our minds was, there's no way, there's no way we're going to, even if they've lifted the flight bans, we're going to leave the country and go to another, uh, another country and be away from home. It changed our plans. That day, I wanted to go get the, uh, Andrew out of kindergarten because, you know, he needed to be with me. And I went and got lame from the babysitters and I just took them home. I wanted to make sure they were safe. Because who knew what was going to happen? I mean, attack after attack after attack. They kept coming that day. Who knew when they were going to end? We were afraid. It changed us for a little while. But then we just went back to life as normal. When the lady left Jesus... She went back and she was so excited. She told everybody that she could find about him. This Jesus, this one who showed her God, who showed her love, changed things for her. And then she went and she lived into that change. What are we doing here and now with our lives 15 years later. That's why we actually kept the birthday today. Because you see, the whole point of this faith community is to do two things. One is to grow in our love of God and the other is to grow in our love of one another. And when we do that, we live differently. Today, after worship, you get to go make a beach. It's something to remind you 
that life is a beach. It's this beautiful experience that you can have hope and peace and joy and comfort and solitude and solace and all those, all those wonderful things. And when you go outside in the commons area, you're going to get little, little trinkets to put in your glass jar. And you have a little figurine. I hope you've gotten that before you came in worship. If not, we'll have them available after worship. You'll, you'll have these little figurines. I realize they do not look like people. They're things like SpongeBob and Patrick and aliens and Batman and all that kind of stuff. It's to have a little fun. But picture that figurine as being you. And you're submerged in the water at the beach. Because you see, there are very different stages of life that are the beach. And this is actually at West what we call our discipleship process. I want you to take a look at the images on the screen. Here's the first one. I was not kidding when I told you that as a child, my parents never took me to the beach. Um, I think I went once when I was like three or four, and then I didn't go again until my youth group from church went when I was in high school. And when I saw it, it was just so beautiful. And it is why I am obsessed, I do think today, with the beach. I would love nothing more than to just hang out there every day. This is our spiritual journey. And we are... On the sidelines, looking. And we get to choose what we do with this place called the beach. We get to choose where we are with it in our souls. Our goal as a faith community is to meet people that are on the beach. Because if you came here this morning... Unless someone physically drug you, and they may have, but unless they physically drug you into this space, there's some curiosity or something going on that at least puts you here on the beach. Let's go to the next picture. And so at least if you're here right now, this is where you're hanging out. On the sidelines, looking and enjoying. And if this is where you are in your spiritual life, that is great. If you come once a month, once every six months, once a year, you worship online, that's wonderful. This is a valid place to be on the beach. I want to show you two other places to be on the beach as well. And hopefully over a lifetime, we'll explore them all differently. The next one, they're getting Their feet wet. They're not all in yet, but they're halfway in. At West, this is what we call serving on a ministry team or, you know, volunteering in one of our seasonal missional partnerships that we do or, you know, just working to make West happen. Then the next image. This is someone that is all in and they are looking down below and they see the beautiful things that are submerged in the water and they've experienced all the other parts and places. That's one thing we offer when we offer small groups, Bible studies. If you're not there yet, that's okay. 
in a faith journey, in a discipleship journey, there need to be places for everyone. Because you see, Jesus met the woman at the well. He didn't condemn her. He did not give her a law book of the 600 plus laws and say, if you don't follow these, you're out of the kingdom of God. He offered her love. I want you to know that that's what we're about as a faith community. Offering a beach, a fun, non-threatening environment for people to come. Offering ways for you to get to know one another in non-threatening ways. And for you to be able to bring your friends and not feel like they're going to be put on the spot or embarrassed. Because that, I hope, never happens here. But I also recognize, and you have shared with me, that you want more as well. So we're launching new small groups and new Bible studies that that you can join together with your friends and maybe make some new friends and grow deeper in your journey with God. It's a process. It's a journey. We invite you to find your beach. I want you to take a look at this video. It is one, I confess, that we showed last summer in our message series, Sweet Emotions. It is about the boat rescue that happened on 9-11. This time as you watch it, I want you to listen to what the men say about how they were impacted by this event. And then we'll wrap up. Take a look at this video. I thought I was watching a movie, Towering Inferno at first. And then I looked real close and I noticed it was the World Trade Center. I was compelled because I'm a type of person that can't stand by and watch other people suffer. And to me, they were suffering. They wanted to get off the island. And there was no way for them to get off the island other than the water. And I had noticed when I was watching the television, I saw a lot of... You know, the ferries going up into the slips and taking people off. I says, fine, we could do the same thing. I could take people on my boat, get in there, take them where they have to go. And that's what we did. On the morning of September 11th, when the towers came down, millions of people ran for safety. Hundreds of thousands of them ran south to the water's edge. That's when they realized that Manhattan is indeed an island and that they were trapped. They were feeling helpless. And that's the worst feeling in the world. What was a person on the ground going to do? There was a small boat that was uh, at the lower tip of Manhattan. I thought the boat was going to flip over because so many people were trying to get on. And as I looked behind, they were were just 10 deep. And that's kind of what gave us the idea. We decided that this has to get better organized and we better do it. And that's what we did. So we decided to make the call on the radio. All available boats. This is the United States Coast Guard board. The pilot boat New York. Anyone want to help with the evacuation of lower Manhattan? Report to Governor's Island. When that call came on the radio, they were coming. I was uncertain of who was going to respond. 
About 15, 20 minutes later, they're just boats all across the horizon. Literally a hundred targets converging on the lower part of Manhattan. When we came out of that dust cloud, tugboats, I've never seen so many tugboats all at once. There was just a, like a fleet of tugboats headed to Manhattan. If it floated and it could get there, it got there. All different size, shapes, and form. I mean, and they were zooming across this water. Ferries, private boats, party boats. I worked on the water for 28 years. I've never seen that many boats come together at one time that fast. One radio call and it just came together just that fast. Hundreds of boats converged on the city, leaving the sun-bathed harbor behind them. Dead ahead, the unknown. Some of these people never been in the water, never been on a boat before. Housewives, workers that do windows. We had executives. And the thing that was the best, everyone helped everyone. I want you to hold my hand. Come on board. Get inside. One at a time. Okay, get in inside. I saw four businessmen lifting up an old woman with a seeing eye dog, a German shepherd, and they lifted her up like a surfboard and passed her over the handrails. When we would carry a load of people over, and there was somebody standing there that seen her husband or wife, you know, that made us feel even better, you know? Well, at least we got two back together, you know? So keep on going, you know? The guy that works at the ferry, he's a, a welder. His son was on my boat. He, he actually came up. Uh, he thanked me. We went back and forth all day long carrying boat loads, as many as our, our boat would hold. And it's a lot of people. A lot of people. You couldn't have planned nothing to happen that fast, that quick. No training. This was just people doing what they had to do that day. You forget all about what you're supposed to do, what to teach you in school, and you say, you know what? Morally, this is the right way to go, and deep down, this is what I'm going to do. Average people, they stepped up uh, when they needed to. They showed me, you know, when the American people need to come together and pull together, they will do it. I do feel a way honored that I was a part of it. It was the greatest thing I ever did with my life. The greatest day that I've ever seen in all my boating, I mean, my life on the water. The Great Boat Lift of 9-11 became the largest sea evacuation in history. Larger than the evacuation of Dunkirk in World War II, where 339,000 British and French soldiers were rescued over the course of nine days. On 9-11, nearly 500,000 civilians were rescued from Manhattan by boat. It took less than nine hours. The gentleman said it was the greatest day that he had seen on the water in all of his years in boating. They were changed. Jesus offers us change. He offers us a gift of life, a gift of hope, a gift of peace, a gift of joy. That, friends, is what salvation really is all about. Will you join him at the well? 
Will you join him on the beach? And can we all experience that change? Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so blessed and grateful for the opportunity to be together in a faith community that's willing to do life and do worship a little differently, to have fun because we imagine that Jesus would have had fun with his best friends as they did life together. This morning, as we remember 9-11 and we remember all the lives that were lost of people due to a tragedy that was driven by evil, we just ask that you help us remember what life is really all about, and that it's about love, loving you, loving one another, and sharing that love, just like Jesus showed and taught us to do. I ask God that you pour out your spirit on this bread and on this cup that is here. Make it be for us your body and your blood shed for us so that we may indeed remember what it means to be different and accept the opportunity to experience change. Amen. I know what y'all feel like on Sundays when you don't know the song. I'm like, hmm, I apparently don't remember all the lyrics to this one. And then I felt like you were all staring at me, making fun of me because... Uh, our daughter is here, and she was doing that. So uh, anyway, I just wanted y'all to stand up for the last song, so I didn't know how to gracefully do that. Now, we want you to go, and we want you to explore what it means just to be a part of West, whether it's your first time here or whether you've been here since we launched six years ago. Outside, you will find a glass jar. You get to make your very own terrarium today, and everybody gets to make one. There are little people figures. I chose an alien because I personally think this is what reflects my personality. <laughs> you go, you visit different tables, and you'll receive this thing. It's our West playbook. You'll see about our food truck. You'll see a greeting. You'll see the staff that we have. You'll see the ministries. You'll see what we're all about. And then I hope you'll go outside, and I hope you'll stay and have some fun. Speak to people that you do not know, because odds are we really don't know each other at all. We're all new to this faith community. So say hello to people that you're not used to saying hello to, and then just have fun. Be on the inflatables. You get to dunk your favorite staff person and make a small donation to the food truck, and just, just enjoy being together. When the woman encountered Jesus, she left different. It's our hope that every Sunday when you come here, you leave feeling different. May, to be, may today be no different, and may you leave. May I leave. May we all leave changed. Go and have some fun. Amen.